good morning, church. It is good to be with you this morning. If you have not already, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalm 118. Get it up on your phone. Get it up on your tablet. That is where we're going to be this morning. Before we begin, let me also just give a shout out to any guests who are with us. If this is your first time viewing us or even being with us at all, uh, welcome. We are so glad that you have joined us this morning. I'm Sam. I am the student pastor here at Fellowship, filling in for Brent, our head pastor. Right now, we are journeying through the Psalms, church, and we are looking at the different types of Psalms, and we are seeing how the Psalms help us express our emotion and our feelings to God. Last week, Brent gave a great sermon on the Psalms of Lament, and we looked at an example of how Psalms can help us express our grief to God. This, this morning, we are taking a turn, and we are looking at a Psalm of Thanksgiving, and we're going to see how the Psalms help us help give voice to our emotions, help us praise God when maybe we don't necessarily feel like it. So please, if you will, stand with, stand with me for the reading of God's word. This is Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. 
Church, I am convinced that there are two types of situations when it comes to praising God and thanking God. There are situations in which it is easy to praise God, and there are situations in which it is just hard to praise God. And these situations can go either way. For example, it is easy to praise God when you're holding that beautiful child, your new baby, your new grandbaby, when you're holding that baby in your arms and they're beautiful and they're sleeping. It is not easy to praise God when that same baby, moments later, throws up in your face. It is easy to praise God when your sports team is winning and you're cheering and you're, you're thankful and everything is going well. It is not easy to praise God when your team is losing and you're frustrated and you're angry. I've learned that during quarantine, it is easy to praise God when your toilet paper stock, your storage of toilet paper is full and abounding. It is not easy to praise God when you realize you're out of toilet paper one second too late. For more serious examples, it is easy to praise God when your health is great, when you feel great. It is much harder to praise God when you feel sick and when you are wrestling with illness. It is easy to praise God when financially everything is going well in your life. But it can be very hard to praise God when money is lacking or when money is very tight. When life is going well, it is easy to praise God, but when life is not going well, it can be very hard to praise God. It, is very, it can be very hard to actually find the words because sometimes we want to praise God, but the words just don't, aren't there. This is where the Psalms of Thanksgiving come in. They meet us when, in places when we're worried, when we're scared, when we're angry and frustrated, and they help us praise God by giving us the words to give thanks to him. They help us praise God when we are consumed by worry and fear and angst and anger. They, they, they help us praise him. And when things are going well in our life, they actually increase our vocabulary for praising God. They give us more ways to describe God. They, they increase our prayer life and grow us in that way. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 118, and it is a psalm of thanksgiving. Before we dive into it, we need to remember that many of the psalms have a historical context to them. They are being written and composed during a time, and this particular psalm was composed after Israel returned from exile. Remember that Israel in the Old Testament was God's chosen people, and God blessed them. He put them in the land, the promised land, but because of their sin, he exiled them, and they went. They were exiled to the Assyrians and the Babylonians. But then they returned from exile. And that is when this psalm came into existence. And this psalm has one main idea. The Lord is worthy of our praise. The Lord is worthy of our praise regardless of how we feel, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what is happening in our life. The Lord is worthy of our praise and our thanks. And so this psalm begins with a leader calling the congregation of Israel together to give thanks to God. And you're gonna notice as we go through this psalm, there's lots of I, me, my language. This is actually a leader speaking for the congregation of Israel. You can imagine a congregation like our church where the leader is speaking for us. And they're gonna give thanks to God jointly. And in their joint thanks, we are gonna see three reasons that the Lord is worthy of our praise. Three reasons. 
that the Lord is worthy of our praise. The first is this. Number one, God hears his people. God hears his people. In verse five, the leader of the congregation speaking for the people of Israel says, verse five, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. So the people are in distress and they're calling on the Lord. And this distress they're experiencing is no small inconvenience. It's not that their copy order has been messed up. It's not that their Uber hasn't showed up. It's not that they dropped their phone in the toilet, although that, that, I'm not saying that's easy when that happens. But their distress is a dire distress. If you look at verses 10 through 13, you see this. Verse 10 says, all nations surrounded me. Verse 11, they surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. Verse 12, they surrounded me like bees. There's an image surrounded by bees with no escape. Verse 13, I was pushed hard so that I was falling. Can you hear the rising tension in this passage? The circumstances are dire. There's no escape for Israel. They are surrounded and they're falling. This is the moment in the movie where it looks like the hero is going to lose. This is the moment in Star Wars where, Star Wars where it looks like Rey is going to be beat by the emperor. This is the moment in the Chronicles of Narnia when it looks like the White Witch is going to defeat Aslan's army. But God hears his people. And God rescues his people. The first reason that God is worthy of our praise is that God hears his people. The second reason is that God rescues his people. If we go back to verse 5, we read, Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord heard Israel's call and he responded. He set them free. Our God hears our calls for help and he acts. Verse 13 says, I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord rescued Israel out of their distress. Now, the question is, what is their distress? We haven't talked about that yet. What is, what is the Lord setting Israel free from? Remember, this is a psalm that was written after Israel came back from exile. The distress that they're talking about, that they're praising God for rescuing them from, what is their time in captivity in Babylon? Their captivity in a foreign nation. They remember that in this foreign nation, they were surrounded by people. One, their homeland had been destroyed, but now they were in this foreign nation where no one worshiped God. They were surrounded by people who did not know God, who did not worship God, who did not like God, and who did not like them. Can you imagine how isolating that would feel? You know, we're kind of in this time of social isolation a lot right now. And, you know, we want to gather together. We want to be together in person. Gosh, we miss you guys. We want to be together so bad. But imagine if there were, was no email and no phone and no Zoom and no Facebook, Instagram. Would you not feel even more isolated and surrounded? And imagine Israel being in a nation that has just destroyed their nation, who is utterly opposed to them and they are isolated. That's their distress that they're in. But God rescued them. God rescues his people. We know from the Bible that God brought them out of exile and he didn't do it by some mighty military victory. He changed the hearts of those leaders that held them captive. If we, if we go back to verses 10, 11, and 12, we see this. These verses all have the same phrase in them. 
Verse 10, in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Now, it kind of sounds like a military fight. I cut them off. I slayed them. I killed them. But actually, it's God that did God. Who, it's actually God that did the battle and did the work. And it's kind of funny if you translate that phrase in the, "I cut them off" in verses ten, eleven, and twelve. If you translate that phrase directly from Hebrew, it translates literally to "I circumcise them." I circumcise them. Now, here is what is not meant. It does not mean that Israel freed themselves from their captors by forcibly circumcising all of the people in the hostile nation that they were in. No, that is not what is being taught here. This is a spiritual circumcision. It's talking about that circumcision that God does on our hearts. He comes in and he changes hearts. And you can read about this in the book of Ezra. We won't go there. But you know the story, if you've read Ezra, that God came into the hearts of the leaders of those four nations that Israel was captive in, and he changed them. They allowed Israel to go back to their land. The point is, God hears his people and God rescues his people. We recently bought our dog Frank a shock collar because Frank would not obey us when we told him not to bark. And his barking was at getting to the point where it was scaring people and so we had to do something about it. We tried to verbally rebuke him. We tried spraying him with a water bottle. No matter what we did, he would just kind of look at us and then keep barking. He knew what we were saying. He knew we were saying, don't bark but he kept barking. And then sometimes he would actually just ignore us. Can you imagine if we had a God like that? Who hurt us, but just looked the other way. Who hurt us, but just didn't care. Thankfully, we do not. Our God hears his people and he rescues his people. And this Psalm is just one example of Israel's thankful response to his rescue. From verse 19 to the end of the psalm, the people are at the gates of the temple. They go into the temple. They're at the temple praising God for rescuing them. We read this in verse 21. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The Lord has become their salvation. And in verse 22, a verse that may sound very familiar, but maybe you haven't read it in the Old Testament. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, in this case, the stone is Israel. And the builders that have rejected this stone are all those empire-building nations that looked at Israel and thought, there's nothing significant. And they discarded it. They saw it as something just to be tacked onto their, their empire. But God, this is the third reason why, we, why the Lord is worthy of our worship. God chooses his people. God chose Israel, that stone, to be his cornerstone. God has chosen Israel to carry forward his plan of redemption. Israel is the nation by whom people will know who God is. God chooses his people. And God chose Israel to be the cornerstone upon which salvation history would shift. During World War II, as the Allies were preparing to invade Europe, Nazi-occupied Europe, they were preparing for D-Day on June 6, 1944, when their forces would storm the beaches of Normandy. They were preparing for this invasion, and one of the, the problems they were trying to figure out was how are we going to get supplies to our armies once they get off the beach? Because if their armies captured the beaches and moved inland, if they ran out of supplies, ran out of bullets, ran out of food, ran out of everything, then the invasion was over before it began, and the whole effort would be, would be nothing. 
And the solution they came up with, the cornerstone they came up with, that the Allied, that the Allied engineers came up with were these things called mulberries. Basically, these, they were these giant concrete and steel bricks that they floated across the English Channel once the beaches had been taken. They brought them to the beaches and they sunk them intentionally and created artificial harbors that boats could come up to and offload all their supplies to support the army. The mulberry was, in many ways, the cornerstone of that invasion. And if the army had ran out of supplies, then the invasion would have failed and Europe would have remained under Nazi control. God chose Israel to be his nation, his people. He chose them, to, chose them to be the cornerstone by which the rest of the world would know who he is, by which the rest of the world would come to know him and of his love. Yet, they were sent into exile. God sent them into exile because of their sin. And this is why we read in verse 18, the Lord disciplined me severely. And we know this. If you know that a good portion of our Old Testament is, are the prophets. And God sent the prophets to Israel when they were living in sin. And the prophets were calling them again and again, stop sinning. And God told them multiple times, I am going to exile you. I'm going to punish you if you don't stop sinning. And they kept sinning. And so God exiled them. He disciplined them for their sin. Their sin had to be punished. But remember, this is God's chosen people. And because God chooses his people, he does not forsake them. Verse 18 continues, The Lord disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Verse 17, I shall not die, but I shall live. The Lord disciplined Israel, but he also preserved them. He did not destroy them. He showed them mercy, and his steadfast love showed in this time when he did not destroy Israel for her sin. He showed them mercy. God chooses his people, and when he chooses his people, he does not forsake them. His steadfast love for them endures forever. And so here Israel is in this psalm, thanking God for not destroying them, praising him for his mercy, for his steadfast love. They are at the temple. They are having what we might call a worship service. In verse 27, it says, the Lord, they're, they're, they're praising God. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. And then they say, Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. So they've brought a sacrifice and they're offering a sacrifice on the altar. God is being praised by his people for what he has done. He has become their salvation. In church, he has become our salvation as well. God is praised by his people. Now, where do you and I fit into this song? At this point, some of you might be wondering, Sam, this is all nice. Where do we fit into this? Where do we fit into Psalm 118? Because obviously we are not a part of ethnic Israel. We are not living in the Old Testament. We were not living in exile in Assyria and Babylon. But see, the fourth, the three things, excuse me, the three things that the three reasons that we have seen for why the Lord is worthy of our worship still apply to us today. They are just as true for us today as they are as they were for Israel. God, Jesus is our salvation too. God is still our salvation. Jesus quotes Psalm 118, 22 in the New Testament in three of our four gospels. He says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus gives this verse new meaning. He said, this time the stone is not Israel, the stone is Jesus. 
and that the builders that are rejecting the stone are the Roman authorities, the religious authorities, all those who rejected Jesus, who crucified him. And it is that stone that God, is that stone, Jesus, that God has chosen to make his cornerstone. I wish the world would know God, would have salvation, and would be saved. Luke 19.10 says, Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost. And here's what all this means. It means that God has become our salvation. Like he became the salvation for Israel, he is our salvation as well. It means that God has heard our cries. God has seen us in our sin and our need for him. He has heard our pleas for salvation from our sin, for salvation from death, and he has rescued us. He has sacrificed his own son for the forgiveness of our sins. In Psalm 118, the congregation offers a sacrifice. It says, bound to the altar. On Good Friday, the sacrifice for our sin was bound upon a cross. He took the discipline that we deserve, the discipline that Israel received, Jesus took. And not just the discipline, he took the destruction that our sin deserved. He has rescued us from our sin and destroyed our sin. God has become our salvation. Third, this means that God has chosen us in Christ. We are chosen people like Israel. And this means that he will never forsake us. Verse six of Psalm 18 says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Sounds a lot like Romans 8.31. If God is for us, then who can be against us? We are his chosen people. And here's what this means. Can a pandemic separate us from the love of God? No. Can our sin and our wandering and our straying from God's ways separate us from his love? No. Should sickness and death befall us, should we contract COVID-19 and die, will we be separated from the love of God? No. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is worthy of our praise, for he has become our salvation. And this means that God should be praised by us in his temple. Our lives should flow with praise to him, with thanks to him for what he's done. And in our passage, the people are in the temple, but in the New Testament, the temple is within us. God sends his spirit to dwell in us. He no longer dwells in a temple or in a tabernacle. He has tabernacled in us. So how do we give thanks? Especially at a time like now when life is full of many reasons to not give thanks. When we're worried and scared and Frustrated. I saw a lot of frustration on social media this past week. How do we praise God when we are wrestling with all of these negative feelings? Three suggestions. Number one, give thanks to God for his character. Verse 15 says, glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. Now he's saying, okay, we've been saved, so the people are praising God. They're singing songs to God. It's a really cool image to see, like just to imagine all the people of Israel praising God. But notice that word tents. When Israel came out of exile back into their promised land, everything wasn't perfect. Remember, their land had been ravaged by the invading Babylon, Babylon and Assyrian armies. Jerusalem's walls had been knocked down. The city had been damaged. They're living in tents. 
They're exposed to the elements and all other threats. Things are not perfect for them yet. They are praising God in incredible ways. What, what are they praising? It's praising God for his character. The verse that begins and ends this psalm, same words verbatim. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. They're praising God for his character. Let God's character lead you to praise him. That was number one. Application number two. Give thanks to God for his deeds. At the climax of our psalm, beginning in verse 17, we read, I shall not die, but I shall live. And recount the deeds of the Lord. Then verse 18, he has not given me over to death. The great reformer Martin Luther went through a phase of his life where he clung to verse 17 of this psalm. He clung to it. It was kind of like his motto. Because remember, when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the, the church or the, the castle at Wittenberg, he did that. He started the Protestant Reformation. His theology began spreading. It upset a lot of people in the church, outside of the church. And for a time, Luther was actually considered an outlaw. He could not travel freely in certain areas. And so for a time, he was quarantined in a way in Castle Coburg. How long have we been in quarantine? Seven weeks, eight weeks, about. I think we're entering into week eight. Luther was stuck there roughly six months in this castle. And here's what this verse did for him. Verse 17 of Psalm 118. It assured him that he would not die until the Lord saw fit. It assured him that all his enemies would not overcome him unless the Lord saw fit. It reminded him that he is alive, though his circumstances are not ideal, he is alive. And because of that, as verse 17 says, he will recount the deeds of the Lord. And it was while he was in this castle Coburg that Luther wrote a lot of his books, a lot of works, and he translated a lot of the Old Testament. These were things that transformed the church. Luther recounted the deeds of the Lord and he proclaimed the deeds of the Lord through his writing. And church, in this time, I want you to remember God's deeds. I want you to recount them. Take some time because you are alive. Yes, life is not ideal right now. We want to be together. We want the freedom to go get a haircut. We want these different things. You are alive, so proclaim the deeds of the Lord. Take some time first to journal. Sit down and journal and write down what has God done in my life, in my past? What has he done? Times that he answered prayers. Times that God just showed up in an undeniable way in your life. Reflect on those and let them remind you of God's love for you. But also remember what God has done for you salvifically. God has saved you. And verse 28 of our psalm says this. The people say, you are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Note that they're claiming that God is their God, but remember that God is our God not because of anything we have done, only because of who he is and what he has done. He has heard our cry, but he is the one who chose to save us, to love us, to choose us. He is our God because of him. Praise him for that. He is our salvation. Church, I encourage you 
Give thanks to God for his deeds. Remember his deeds, because when you do that, you will find strength in present times. When you are in a time when God does not feel close, when his blessings are less evident, when you're wondering where he is, when you're worried and scared, look at what God has done in your past. Look what he has done in saving you, and you will find strength for those moments when it is hard to praise God. Last thing, I want to encourage you this week, today even, maybe with your family, with your spouse, with your roommate, I want to encourage you to pray through the Psalms. The Psalms do an incredible job of focusing our hearts and minds back on God. They take our minds off our worries. Really, they bring our worries. They, I mean, they, they take our minds off our worries and that they, they take all these things that we're thinking about and they bring them back to God. They bring our attention back to God. And when we struggle to find the words to praise God, these psalms give us words. When we don't know how to pray, the psalms pray with us. And if you're wondering, well, how do I pray a psalm? It's very simple. All you do, you read one or two verses of a psalm, and you pause, and you pray about what comes to mind. And after you've prayed that, you read the next verse or the next two verses. And again, you pause, and you pray about what comes to mind, and you repeat that process. Take the time to pray the Psalms, and watch as your language and ability to praise God in good and bad times increases. Church, one last thought as we wrap up here. We do not just praise God for who he is. We do not just praise God for what he has done or for what he is doing, although we do praise God for those things. We also praise God for what he will do. We wait with assurance based upon the character of God, his steadfast love for us. We wait for the day when we will enter into the eternal gates like the people of Israel in this passage walked into the gates of the temple to praise God. We wait for the day when we will enter into the eternal gates of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, to give thanks to God forevermore. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love and yours forever. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy to us. Father, you are the God that has heard us. You are the God that has rescued us. You are the God that has chosen us. All things we did not deserve because of our sin, yet you have done them out of your great love for us. Father, I pray that as we go forward from this place this morning, I pray that we would be mindful of what you've done for us. I pray that we would give thanks to you for your deeds and for your character. Father, I pray that you give us strength in these times. Father, we love you and we praise you. Amen.